you would actually be surprised that the number one reason for churn uh, is actually poor onboarding where you okay. didn't set up the customer for success and people have realized over the years that that when you look at churn at first opportunity that is folks who churn at the first moment where something is up for it 90% of that is because of poor onboarding you're listening to the paris talks marketing podcast where we interview top marketing leaders at high growth saas and other recurring revenue based companies our goal with this podcast is to cut through the fluff and jargon of digital marketing to reveal what's really working at some of the fastest growing most successful saas companies today The Paris Talks Marketing Podcast is sponsored by Hop Online, a performance growth marketing agency. If you like this episode and would like to have a similar conversation with someone at our agency, just go to hop.online, h o p.online and book a discovery call with one of our strategists today. Now, let's get into the episode. Hey everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Paris Talks Marketing. Today my guest is Shri Krishnan Ganesan. Shri for short is a second time entrepreneur and the CEO and co-founder of the fast growing SaaS startup Rocket Lane. He has spent the last decade building and scaling SaaS businesses. His last startup where he built an in-app messaging product was acquired by Freshworks which is now on the Nasdaq in 2015. and he went on to become their this went on to become their fastest growing product called fresh chat he's extremely passionate about all things cx and startups shri also hosts the launch station which is rocket lane's podcast for onboarding customer experience and success he's also spending time building preflight which is the world's first and only community for leaders and practitioners managing customer onboarding success value delivery and project management. All right, Sri, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks Paris. Thanks for having me on today. Uh there's so much I want to cover, but I want to start really with your personal journey and what has led you to to this point today with Rocket Lane. It seems like you're a serial entrepreneur and you started with with a startup that was eventually acquired by by Freshworks and that was called Conator and that eventually became what is now Freshchat and can you just walk us through that part of your journey how did that acquisition go and then how did you integrate with with Freshworks and spin out Freshchat yeah i think it's a pretty interesting journey conator was in app messaging sdk built only for mobile apps and uh, we started off as a sort of engagement solution but we found that a lot of people were using us for customer support inside their apps chat as a way for people using those apps for like food ordering and cab booking and so on messaging with the business to get support and for freshworks it was a strong fit because they were at that time the flagship product was fresh desk which was into customer support as well but focused on like email and phone based ticketing versus we had the new age version for mobile apps and if you remember 2015 2016 that's when people were it, it was a mobile first world in a way right so people were talking about that, yeah yeah everything is mo- mobile first so in that sense it was a bet that they took to say hey let's get this company that's building possibly the future of what we were doing and brought us in we initially continued building that same business but realized that 
messaging and chat in general you needed the same experience for the web as well a more modern messaging experience for web 2 and relaunched the product for web and mobile and that's when actually i would say the product truly took off globally till then we had a lot of success in the mobile first economies like india southeast asia etc but for it to take off globally it needed us to relaunch for web and mobile and that that sort of was a very interesting journey for us because we had the freedom when we got into freshworks to experiment with things try initially try pursuing what we were doing already but with the support of a larger org and then when we relaunched it sort of became closer to the rest of freshworks in terms of the momentum and growth we were seeing globally and that's when it occurred to us that it also made sense for us to align with the business motions of the acquiring company not just continue doing what we were doing which was a more evangelistic sale and more focused only on certain kinds of companies versus once we did this for web and mobile it became a lot more inbound and people were looking for our solution like what it was for the rest of freshworks so we could tap into the sales motions and everything else that was set up at freshworks mm mm-hmm. What then prompted you to leave Freshworks and to start up Rocket Lane in in 2020? Yeah, I think having seen the kind of success Freshworks had, having seen what it did to people, even when our product when we relaunched it, the kind of momentum it had, how it enabled folks to do more, learn more, it almost forced people to grow in their careers, right? Because when a product really takes off, you're you know forced to level up and do more the scope increases the challenges are different and we loved that about the journey so me and my co-founders from the previous venture decided hey what if we go out and do one more and this time optimize for momentum so that we can you know have the same kind of impact that freshworks has had on a lot of people who came along with the company on the journey and uh, that's what we are trying to do now right build a high momentum startup and we picked Uh, customer onboarding as a problem because we had personally experienced the problem at Freshworks, so we were thinking about what problems to solve and uh, cross-company collaboration, especially in the context of customer onboarding, really stood out as a pain because for me to even know at onboarding all these big customers globally, for me to know what was happening with them, I needed to rely on asking someone else for like what's the status, and still I would get. a project manager's perspective on it not necessarily the customer's perspective i would need to know which emails to open which spreadsheet to open to know what was truly happening in in a project and uh, that's you know and we thought hey it's 2022 and this whole experience is not even customer centric right so we are sending emails we are creating these slack share channels we are sending like spreadsheets back and forth that's not how it should be so we started thinking about what if we could reimagine the experience from the customer perspective and build a new experience mm-hmm. and on the homepage of rocket lane i see that it says accelerate time to value and that's a really big concept for me can you discuss that concept of the time to value yeah i think when a customer buys a solution from a vendor right there is almost immediately this buyer's remorse that comes into play if you don't have great engagement in that initial period like you bought the solution but for you to get to value sometimes it takes months including adoption from your team and setting up things the right way and configuring your processes on the tool etc for us this is about enabling teams 
to deliver that value faster. And how do you accelerate that? You first need a very consistent playbook that you're going to follow with every customer, which is thought through and really optimized for delivering value faster. It's also about being able to hold each other accountable, hold the customer accountable, hold internal stakeholders accountable with ease so that you're actually trending towards getting the customer life faster than later. And it's also about the intensity with which you execute and how do you, how a tool can like really help you stay on top of things, automate some of those follow-ups that we need to do, automate sending out the updates that push the team to, to execute in a faster way. I want to get into the next question, which is, which is about category creation. So SaaS is really dynamic and it's still growing. There are existing categories where you can come in and do something better, or let's say build a better mousetrap, or there's another alternative where you create a new category and you and your co-founders decided to create a new category around the specific problem around customer onboarding. What are some of the unique challenges to category creation versus coming in to compete in an existing category? I imagine that's a big challenge to, to create a new category versus enter where people already know about certain problems, where there's already awareness. Can you just talk about the unique challenges of category creation with Rocket Lane and also some of the unique benefits? Right. I think it was a scary but conscious choice from us to say, okay, let's go and build something in this new emerging category of sorts where people are today using, like cobbling together existing tools, project management tools, communication tools, document collaboration tools to work with customers. And here we are saying, hey, for client onboarding, let's build a new experience entirely and make it like an all-in-one platform. Firstly, because this was also a unification play, like to bring together project management, collaboration, communication into one experience. There's a pretty high bar as far as the individual experiences go that need to go into this one tool, you know, that's going to do all of this. So even from a product building standpoint, I think it's pretty challenging. Secondly, I would say because people aren't necessarily looking for a separate solution they don't know it exists getting in front of them is the hard part so we need to be in the news we need to do things to capture people's attention the good part though is that there is some momentum already behind this as a category because separate teams have started forming in many SaaS companies around this function so earlier customer success teams would also do onboarding until you're like a very mature product where a professional services team or an implementation team comes into play. But now, even earlier stage companies have figured that for them to grow their, their customer accounts, they need to deliver a high quality initial onboarding experience. And that's what you know helps gain trust from the customer. That's what leads to faster expansion in those accounts, etc. And hence, I think there's more focus and these teams are being formed earlier which also means people want those teams to have purpose-built tools to, to help them succeed, right? And hence, I think this category has had good momentum. And the good part when you choose category creation is if you're one of the leaders or if you're number one in a category, then you could take away like a huge portion of the market share. You could get like two thirds of the market share. And that's what 
prompted us to go after this to say, hey, let's try to mm-hmm. become the leader in this new space, which has some momentum behind it. Yeah. Uh, what would you say is your total addressable market for Rocket? When you look at it purely as customer onboarding, I would say it today looks like somewhere around a $2 billion TAM, but it could grow much more as SaaS continues to scale and grow fast. Uh, number of SaaS tools out there for you know various purposes, newer tools come into play as well. And everyone, I think the overall adoption of SaaS in mid-market and enterprise is growing too. So I think it's going to fuel like a larger TAM being formed over the years. And uh, secondly, I think what we're building is customer-facing project delivery in a way. So even beyond SaaS onboarding, actually a marketing agency can use us to collaborate with their clients. A consulting company can use us to run their client projects, etc. So we look at our eventual vision as client project delivery. So we want to be the default, default pro- platform for any collaborative execution of initiatives with uh, clients. Um, I th- yeah, man, I think so many of these tools, project management tools now are built looking inward, let's say, for internal teams to be more productive, to collaborate and communicate better. But I haven't really seen anything that puts the client or the customer at the center of it all. And uh, I think that's one thing that's very unique with what you all are building. So that's exciting. Um, You mentioned that nobody is looking. And within this TAM, uh, and I think, of course, the world of SaaS is growing and, and SaaS themselves are probably a great market to sell into. Who is the ideal customer profile or persona? Who in the organization is most likely to make the decision, have the budget and the authority to pull the trigger on Rocket Lane? I think for a startup, early stage, it's the founder, of course, who's going to say, hey, I want to like make this a better experience for my early customers. Like We expected that later stage companies will buy us, but... It's even even like seed and series A companies that sell to mid-market or enterprise customers want to look more professional. So the founder cares about their company looking more mature and they invest in this. A customer success lead would be the person who typically we end up pitching to and getting on board for like a series A, series B company. But when it becomes a late stage company, let's say a series D company, etc., uh, people typically have a separate leader for implementation or onboarding or professional services who ends up being the buyer. So, and, and typically we're selling to companies which have at least a three week or more implementation and onboarding journey so that it's a worthwhile investment of their time to, to set up a tool where they can track how they're doing, learn from their execution, and so on. And when you, when it comes to trying to convince someone who's not looking for your solution that they have a problem, what are some of the core messages that you communicate? Is it, I really like the buyer's remorse concept um, and, and effectively you're solving or alleviating buyer's remorse because that's, that is real. As soon as someone signs on the dotted line, they immediately start second guessing, I believe, second guessing that decision. Um, but if churn rates don't really kick in until post onboarding, so you're not really solving, this is just my opinion, but you're not really solving a a life cycle churn rate problem because that's coming later. You're, you're making the honeymoon period a lot sweeter and you're, you're alleviating a little bit of the buyer's remorse. 
But how do you convince people that that's a real problem if it doesn't really show up as a KPI and a churn rate? You would actually be surprised that the number one reason for churn uh, is actually poor onboarding where you okay. didn't set up the customer for success. And people have realized over the years that that when you look at churn at first opportunity, that is folks who churn at the first moment where something is up for a 90% of that is because of poor onboarding. So there's, of course, churn that happens later, which may have other reasons, but churn at first opportunity is largely influenced by onboarding. And uh, that's a stat that helps us uh, make the case. But I think it's also just saying, hey, this is the first partnership that your customer experiences with you. And if you do a sloppy job here, you're on the back foot with that customer from the get-go. Your CS team is not talking expander right now. Instead, they're trying to save the account. They're trying to play defensive instead of playing offensive with the customer, right? So I think that's a message that resonates with uh, founders and uh, VPs of CS who need to look at that NRR number, right? It also helps to talk about how very often your, if you have a four-week onboarding journey, very often you're eight weeks into it and you're not done yet. What that also means is you're pushing your revenues for later, right? So uh, a lot of usage-based pricing and a lot of contracts are such that the clock starts when you actually get the customer to value, when you get them live. And when that's not happening on time, the customer can actually lose interest and disengage as well, move on to the next initiative. Or, of course, you're just pushing your revenues for later. You can pull it forward. And the same team that could have doubled the number of onboardings because something that should have taken four weeks is taking eight weeks. You're not making your team efficient either. So that's those are some of the key challenges that we are able to solve. And it makes sense to the customer. I'm interested to know more about the length of an onboarding. And I know this is going to vary a lot by the type of product or the industry. But what are you seeing within your customer base? What is the typical length? of an onboarding cycle and approximately how many touch points and frequencies? What is the frequency of the touches during that period? I would say a very typical SaaS uh, solution, which is targeted at like higher end of SMB all the way to mid-market would be four to six weeks in duration. People assume they can do it in three weeks, but four to six weeks makes more sense also because you're cognizant of how much time of the customer that you're demanding to get them to value and uh, how much of that they're able to spare on a weekly basis because usually they're also doing some other, like their core function. And it needs, I would say, one or two touch points per week, typically one touch point in some weeks where there are additional training sessions or workshops, etc. maybe two touch points. And, and that's what it takes to get a customer live and, and to see value. For enterprise, it could be uh, a lot more, right? So it could be, I would say, six to 12 weeks is what I would estimate, depending on the complexity of the solution, the number of integrations that it needs to have, et cetera, to, to get the customer live. And of course, for enterprise, it's never a, a journey that stops. You have an ongoing motion to deliver more value, unlock more value. There's a phase two of the implementation yeah. always. So um, that, yeah, that's interesting. As the companies get larger, mid-market and enterprise, you can say almost there's no clear delineation between onboarding and lifecycle marketing. It, it just flows right 
one flows right into the next. Um, and how do you all use, I, I presume you all are dogfooding your own product there. How do you all use Rocket Lane and what does your own onboarding journey look like? Yeah, we have a four week onboarding process for larger customers. I would say for larger mid-market customers, it stretches out into a six week process. We use our own tool to also be a forcing function for a bunch of things like to ensure that we are showcasing value at the end of the journey. We have a ROI workshop that we end the whole process with. And even in the training, so we try to make our onboard, we built it in such a way that we want to teach something to every customer that we are onboarding, right? One of the examples that comes to mind is we have, you know, we obviously learn all of this from other customers as well, and then we make it our own. But one of the things we do is a reverse demo where after the training is done and after the go live, we get the customer to do a demo of our product back to us of how they use it as part of the onboarding journey. And that way we get to see how much of the training we did actually made sense to them and, and went into their process versus uh, where can we still help them bridge some gaps. So are they recording, are they screen recording with a, something like Loom or are they, how do they actually deliver that back? Oh, we actually do a live session where, you know, yeah, a couple of them are going to showcase the product back to us. A, it does put them on their toes as well with respect to understanding our product and making best use of it. But B, it's an opportunity for us to hone our process, our training, focus on the right things and sort of help them wherever they aren't making full use of the product. That is a really cool concept, the reverse demo. How many of your how many of your new customers will do that reverse demo? I would say a good forty uh, percent of them do it with us. Some of them, yeah, some of them would say, "Hey, not for us," but it, it's a good practice. Yeah, I guess yeah, you can't force it. Yeah, well, these are these are your future uh, ambassadors and, and and testimonials probably also, and I presume that that group that forty percent it probably goes on to have a higher lifetime value than the other 60. Or do you also see that certain, certain features that are being used early on in the onboarding journey correlate higher to, to, to low churn and high lifetime value? Are there certain things that you really want to direct people into that are the, the real light bulb, the features that trigger the real light bulb moments? See, I think if we do a CRM integration, it sort of auto creates these projects. So that's like a great way for us to ensure that people start using it very actively and don't go back to their spreadsheets. Uh, and obviously, we also help the leaders understand how to do like weekly standups with their team, etc, using the tool, so that that becomes one more forcing function to ensure adoption. So integrating with the CRM seems like that that makes a lot of sense. What are some of the top CRMs that your customers are, are integrating with? I presume HubSpot, Salesforce? Yeah. Salesforce, HubSpot, and uh, Fresh Sales would be the top three for us. And then Pipedrive. Pipedrive, yeah. And Fresh Sales, of course, because you're an alum. <laughs> so yeah. I, knew, I knew that had to make the list. And when it, let's tie this back into acquisition marketing now. So you've got, you've, I, I can see there's a couple of motions. There is a product-led growth motion that allows a new user to try it for free with a trial period. How, how long is that trial period? It's a two week trial. The interesting thing is all our customers, customers also get exposed to Rocket Lane on the customer side. Like they experience the customer portal and they know 
what that experience is like so that's you know an interesting way for us to get exposure to more potential customers right the customer of your customer sees the sees the product one of the things we've really focused on is community so so we run a 1800 member community called preflight now which has people in customer onboarding and implementation as a space uh, talking all things onboarding it's we don't talk about rocket lane at all in the community we've kept it a no sell zone but still obviously people do recognize that we are the company that's running the community so there are local chapters in like 15 cities now the events happening every month in the community we even did like a large customer onboarding like a global event called propel where we had like over 3000 people register to to watch this event and uh, around 1000 actually attended live so we're doing a lot to be a catalyst in the space to create avenues for people to come and discuss problems to learn from each other etc and i think that gives us exposure that helps us learn as well i think a lot of our ideas uh, and thought leadership comes from what we learn from the community what we learn from mm-hmm. other leaders as well yeah i think community is is a major theme now with scaling marketing as more and more people with especially with acquisition marketing are just seeing that the cac keeps getting higher and higher through the traditional channels through the the paid media channels uh starting with Google, Facebook and LinkedIn. Um uh, I was just listening to to Patrick Campbell from Profitwell and they just had a big acquisition recently and he was saying that over the last really in the last few years the average CAC has gone up 75 to 80% for for all of SaaS. And I think part of the reason is just that the classic channels are getting saturated and marketers in order to keep scaling they need they need to to find new approaches and i think community is one i see it also as a as the evolution of of inbound marketing to, to try to build community and in a way even media i know you all have a podcast also and that's a form of taking your brand as a new category creator brand and putting a media putting media behind it so that you can actually inform educate and entertain um I want to I'll get a little bit more technical now um about acquisition because I'm very curious to know with the product like growth motion. Now a quick word from our sponsor. The Paris Talks Marketing Show is affiliated with Hop Online, a performance marketing agency focused on high growth SaaS and other recurring revenue based companies. If you like the flow of this conversation, you may want to consider jumping on a discovery call with someone at Hop Online. A discovery call is similar to my podcast interviews in a lot of ways. We'll get to know your business goals, competitive landscape, and marketing needs. And you'll almost certainly come away with some new ideas for how to accelerate your customer and revenue growth. If you're interested, go to hop.online. That's hop h o p .online and book a discovery call with one of our strategists today. Now, back to the episode. Uh, approximately how many or of all the new users you're acquiring on a, mo- a monthly basis about how many of them are going through that free trial versus going straight to a sales demo i would say it's probably like a 75% signing up for a trial versus 25% skipping the trial and just taking the demo but having said that we do take that 75% also through a demo 
not all of them of course but i would say anyone serious about the product because it's a pretty product uh, there is a lot of breadth to the capabilities and we find it necessary to do a demo to get the customer to understand how they can best utilize the product and find value so we sort of do nudge them push them to get on a demo with us what kind of a conversion rate do you have from the free trials to the paying customer yeah so in the first month that they've taken the demo it would be like 33% convert into customers but i i think that number actually goes up eventually so a lot of people take the demo then they feel they're not yet ready or they're waiting for some other initiative that they're doing complete and they come back after a few months and then buy as well so overall i would say it's a larger number but uh, in the immediate term near term after the demo it's like 33% mm-hmm. and w- when you're acquiring and i presume you're doing google ads and linkedin and facebook are you setting the target on acquiring a free trial user or a demo user or both or is it, or maybe something else it's either of them today uh, but we are figuring out what's going to work better for us somewhere we do feel that getting folks to a demo is more valuable than just getting them to sign up for a free trial um because it's a new kind of product and during that 14 day free trial period is there any i presume there's also an onboard an onboarding journey during the the trial itself is it is there something that happens there to try to nudge people and nurture them so there there are some automated emails going out to them uh product nudges in terms of like when you, when you sign up there's a project that you are automatically part of and there are going to be reminders around tasks that are assigned to you on it etc you know but those are just fake tasks that we've added right they're not really things that the customer needs to do of course but if they come on a, a a call with us a demo or a you know meeting with us then we sort of actually set up even a, a project of sorts for them to evaluate rocket lane so we say hey here's things you need to do to feel comfortable about going ahead with the purchase right so we put them on like a evaluation plan of sorts which is different from a onboarding plan but it's just to get them to understand the breadth of the product try out things and say hey yes i know i can do all of these things so i feel confident that this is the right solution for me anniversary I guess it's just the annual contract value is a little bit more appropriate. And it seems like you're successful in getting most of these new users to sign up for an annual plan as opposed to monthly. Is that right? That's right. Mhm. That's interesting because a lot of the, a lot of the SaaS companies I talk to, the, the majority new users are still going for monthly plans as opposed to annual. How are, how are you how are you all succeeding in in positioning that annual plan and getting majority into annual plans? I think for a early stage company if you think about like a company onboarding mid market or enterprise customers who are going to each pay I would say upwards of $15,000 at least for mid market on average right even for a early stage company for a five member team our annual size of the deal would be like $3,000 which is almost a no brainer for them to invest in delivering better customer experience so i think people just opt for that because they know that it's going to be valuable for them and it's a no brainer cost for them to pay up to improve cx and of course larger companies larger teams they anyway prefer like 
predictability and they anyway prefer to adopt a solution and sort of bet on something to improve their you know team productivity and measurement and experience so they always prefer like annual plans anyway yeah i thought my first assumption was going to be that you're just offering a really steep discount on the annual plan but i'm looking at your pricing page now and it's not that big if for the premium plan it's 49 a month billed annually or it's 59 per month on a monthly basis which is not so you're not accomplishing this with, with some massive discount you're actually getting people to just realize as you said it's a no-brainer if it's a three thousand a year investment to improve customer service across the board uh, m- maybe that's just a, a blip or a drop a drop in the bucket um and what are you all, what, are you, what is most successful right now for your growth, and your marketing? What are you doing most successfully with marketing that's helping you, helping you scale? I think we have established a decent brand in a short time. Uh, thanks to like a lot of thought leadership coming out of the community. Thanks to the podcasts. You've also engaged quite a lot with CS leaders. You've been at events. So I think that's worked well. I think G2, our presence on G2, and we have a lot of customers who have reviewed us over there. That's also helped us once we got to that leadership position in a new category. I think that's done wonders for us in terms of inbound. And and yeah, I think we have, we're very strong on the hustle as well. So that helps get in front of the right customers too. And once we have enough companies using us, I think there is a network effect Recently, there was one customer who, or one prospect who experienced Rocket Lane with three different companies and, you know, bought us as well. So we were also onboarding them. I think everywhere they turn around, it's like they're being onboarded on Rocket That's cool. Um, yeah, just that na- the natural virality again, that's just really sweet. Well, I want to ask you about something that I also found, which is called the Customer Onboarding Maturity Survey. And, and then there's a score that you get here. That to me is really creative. What was the impetus behind that, that survey and that score? And how many, people are, how many people are taking that? So far, I would say a few hundred have taken it. Uh, and the way we think of marketing, it's like every quarter, what new things are we doing? What big initiatives can we drive? And one of the initiatives was, let's actually build a maturity model of sorts to ensure that customers know and can benchmark where they are, what they need to improve on, etc. And then we just turned that into an assessment quiz of sorts so that it's easier for them to just answer some questions to benchmark themselves rather than we initially just launched like a video which shared what our model was and a blog post. We then said, okay, let's, let's make it a quiz. Let's give them like their scores and let's give them some quick, quick wins that, that they can put in place if they score low on, on one of those dimensions. Really, it was about exposing people to the different dimensions along which they can measure their maturity. And it was very well received in terms of usefulness. Yeah, I'm immediately thinking of something Google launched very recently called the Digital Maturity Benchmark. And it's, a, it's an extensive set of questions and then you get a score and you can... You actually, you get scores across maybe six different dimensions. It's very detailed. But I think that this is a very interesting approach to 
I guess it's connected with category creation because your first objective is to create awareness of a problem that people don't necessarily already realize that they have. And one way to do that is to say, take this survey and actually see where you stand because you might not be as good as you think. And I guess that that's what this does is it shows you, oh, I, I actually, I might have a, a problem here. I, I thought this was, I thought we did okay here, but it looks like a benchmarked against our peers, we're behind. And I think nothing really motivates people like a, a competition, <laughs> seeing their competitors doing better in the form of a benchmark. That, I think that was very interesting and I think it's a unique approach to marketing as well. Um, and I presume a lot of those people are going to naturally go into, the, into a trial or into a demo after getting through that survey. Yeah. And what, yeah. What other we, we didn't of- make it about product, though. We, we made sure that it's about truly them understanding where they are. For example, value orientation is something which we find a lot of teams struggle with. It's not necessary that just using Rocketlane will solve that problem. But we do have approaches for them to create forcing functions around being more value-oriented if they're using a tool like Rocketlane. It doesn't have to be Rocketlane. Yeah. I'm also just che- checking out some of the, 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 paid, the paid keywords for paid search. It looks like you all are really going heavy on <clears throat> the project management keywords like Asana, Smartsheet, Monday, Monday.com. Um, what's the angle there? Are you, are you trying to position here as an, a really nice add-on to these different project management tools or maybe an alternative? Yeah, we're, we believe that 50% of the use cases for which these regular project tools are used are actually client-facing projects and that we should be the tools that people are using instead if it's a customer-facing project. So we may, in some cases, we may be showing our, our product to the right, wrong audience, but we believe in 50% of the cases we are showing it to the right audience. So someone searching for Asana, if they're like a marketing agency or a consulting company or an SI or someone else, then you know what, Rocketlane is the right solution for them. So that's that's the angle that we need to get in front of folks who are looking for project tools, but their use case is customer facing projects. So it's about finding adjacent intent when there's not an intent for people specifically looking for onboarding software. You go to the, the, the nearest adjacent, what we call adjacent intent. And, and then um, clearly the, the big names like Asana and Smartsheet and Monday, that's where the, the volume and the adjacent intent is. Yeah. Um, and, well, this, is, this has been fantastic. I think we can go on a lot more. I know that you've got other things to move on to today. Um, but what, what does the future hold for rocket lane? What, what are you all going to look like in a couple of years in terms of size and number of customers and the product that's in a couple of years, hopefully a few thousand customers, if not more. And the product itself, I hope we are like the default option for anyone who wants to run projects with their customers. And, and yeah, I think we've, we've added a lot of capabilities. We continue to add, um, recently launching like farms and beautiful multi-sided slack integration that you can plug into and your customers can plug into as well so there's a ton of new innovative capabilities we're bringing which are all firsts in this space so yeah i think we'd want to be a serious force in project collaboration and whenever it's multi-arg i'd want people to think of rocket lane as the first option and just to summarize for our listeners what I, what i heard today was 
really an amazing combination of really successful category creation, leveraging community, leveraging uh, media like a podcast with a product that has natural virality, which is a great, great feature to have, and really a great, a great balance of excellent product, hustling, and taking advantage of being a new category leader and identifying a problem that existed that no one had really put their finger on. So I, I think that that all together sounds like a recipe for great success. And Sri, I really uh, wish you all the best in your journey. I think it's still, you're still right at the beginning. I know you've got, that, you've got the big Series A a few months ago. And by the way, that video was, was just really uh, an absolute riot. <laughs> Uh, that was great. I mean, that's, that's real brand personality coming out there. Um, so I can't wait to just keep following you guys on that story. And, and for those who are listening, where can they find you online, Sri? Uh, I'm Sri Krishnan G on Twitter. And of course, on, on LinkedIn as well, you can find me and connect with me. Great. Well, I've really enjoyed it. And thanks very much for spending the time with me today, Sri. And looking forward to keeping in touch. Perfect. Thanks, Paris. Another great episode in the books. Hope you enjoyed it. If you want to get notified when future episodes drop, be sure to subscribe to Paris Talks Marketing on your favorite podcast player. And to learn more about our growth marketing agency, visit hop.online. That's hop, H-O-P dot online. Have a great day.